You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. Thank you, Amelia. And how's it going, A's fans? Welcome to episode 280 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, most of the episode is going to be my talk with Matt George of Locked On Kings going over Dave Cavill's tweet and what that means just as an A's fan and what it's like to be an A's fan right now. And it's just uh, two guys that like the team talking about uh, the the state of the team right now and uh, what it's like with the team potentially out the door. So uh, that's most of the episode. But real quick, I'm going to give you guys a little breakdown of the A's and Mariners game. The Mariners won that one. So uh, it's going to be very, very quick. And also AJ Puck pitch. So give you uh, his stats from Las Vegas. Uh, But before I get into anything else, though, make sure to tune into the Locked On MLB show because Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully. He's been having hosts from around the network on. So if you want to hear a little bit more about the baseball topic of the day, you got to make Make sure to tune in to Locked On MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan, or Sully as he likes to be called. And uh, yeah, just subscribe wherever you get podcasts and listen to Sully rant about things. Uh, that's that's kind of his shtick. He likes to he likes to rant. Uh, also, make sure to follow this podcast wherever you like hearing podcasts. Follow the social media accounts like Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B on Twitter and in the Locker Room app. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So let's get in to the A's 4-3 loss to the Seattle Mariners because everything is upside down right now. Uh, It's weird. I was very very excited to be facing the crappy Mariners team that we've been seeing in all the highlights. But, uh, you know, they just lost six in a row and sometimes they, they... A team, when they lose six in a row, they're due. And the A's bats are not doing enough right now. And the pitching, I know that it's not great. They've given up four runs, you know, fairly early in games. And then it's been a battle to get back and, you know, try and take over the lead. And they haven't been able to do that. But uh, four runs is not insurmountable. And the the bats just aren't doing it. So uh, obviously you, you want a little bit better from your pitching staff. Hopefully James Caprillian can have a nice start for the A's today. I'll be in attendance uh, cheering maybe louder than his dad. We'll see. I'm going to, if I, if I see him, I'm going to be like, hey, I'm cheering louder than you today, Mr. Caprillian. Uh, <laughs> don't put that past me. I will do that. Um, I don't know that I'll be sitting anywhere near him though. Um, but uh, if you, if you're watching the broadcast, uh, look for me, I'll be a screaming lunatic. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, but Cole Irvin struggled in Tuesday's game against the Mariners, and it was a team that was not the Houston Astros, which was weird because he hadn't done that yet. Uh, I thought that it was just the Astros that had his number. Now I'm curious. I know that the Mariners, they have good bats. They they hit home runs. They, they do a good job with you know scoring runs sometimes, but now I'm thinking maybe that he's been getting around the league a little bit, and maybe now there's a scouting report on Cole Irvin. He obviously has not been as fine with his, his pitch uh, location the last couple of starts either. either. So uh, that's probably been contributing to his 
his rough starts the last couple of outings. Uh, I thought that it was just an asterisk thing. Maybe it's maybe it's a thing that he's going to have to battle back from, uh, you know, hit the books a little bit harder because uh, maybe he's gotten away from that. I don't know. Uh, I assume that he's, you know, still putting in the work, but, uh, you know, just speculation on what could be potentially happening at this point. Um, and then I, the only other thing that I really want to say from that game is that uh, Elvis Andrews, he had three hits in this game. So let's talk about his exit velocities and why I think that uh, maybe he's, Turning a corner. Let's see. I, I, he's still hitting below 200. I think uh, he was at like 180 or 90 with like before he got that last hit. So I don't think that he got there with that one hit. But his, uh, his exit velos do offer some encouragement because uh, in the second inning he got a single off of uh, Logan Gilbert, you know, top prospect for the Mariners, and that one was 103.4 off the bat. In the fifth he had that double, and that one was 96.5 off the bat, and that was off of Paul Sewald. Sewald. Uh, that's a that's a weird name. And then uh, also in the ninth inning, he got one off of the current Mariner closer, Rafael Montero. That was a single and it was 103 off the bat. And these are not exit velocities that we were seeing from Elvis Andrews before. So his timing's getting there. It's just going to be a matter of him, you know, having a nice swing playing and getting, you know, more line drives and base hits as opposed to driving the ball into the ground. And so uh, maybe maybe we'll start seeing a better version of Elvis Andrews. I would very much like that, given that uh, I've been kind of rooting for him, even though nobody else has. So uh, let's go Elvis Andrews. And let's see more. Let's see another two hit game on on uh, Wednesday. I was like, what day is today? Saturday? No. Uh, on Wednesday, I would very much appreciate that. Uh, but but final note from just, you know, A's land before I send it over to the interview, and that is that A.J. Puck made a rehab appearance with the Las Vegas Aviators. He went one and a third, gave up four hits, four earned runs, didn't walk anybody, and struck out all, no, all four of the outs that he uh, got were via the strikeout. So, uh... You know, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, but I think that if you break it down, down into his first inning of work and then his second inning of work, uh, you, you see a little bit more of a of a bright light coming out of this rehab appearance. Uh, his first inning of work was he gave up a single, then he struck out the next batter, and then he gave up a home run, which, uh, you know, obviously home run is not something that you want to give up, but... Uh, in Vegas and in all of the AAA ballparks, that ball that ball travels, and uh, you can see like a pop up. It looks like it's just going to be you know an infield fly rule, and uh, that that goes out. So I don't know much about the home run, but maybe there's something to be taken from that, where maybe you just gave up a single and then struck out the side. Maybe that's what happened, um, and then, you know it was kind of a, like a lazy fly ball that turned into a home run. Not positive. It could have been hit 500 feet too, but uh, that's something to consider at the the very least. And then in the second inning, that's where he got into a little bit of trouble, but there's still a, a caveat at the very end here. He gave up two singles to lead off the inning, then struck out the third batter that he faced to get that one and one third. And then there was a pitching change. Uh, the pitcher that came in gave up the two runs. And so that's why his stat line looked worse than I think that it may have. Uh, I mean, he could have also given up another home run or done something else, but, uh, if you got one bloop home run and then the, the bullpen didn't do it for you, then yeah, sure. I think that it, it's a better, it, it would look a lot better uh, with, you know, two earned runs allowed and four strikeouts and no walks as opposed to four. And uh, let's see what that, that home run was like and uh, go from there. So that's all that I got for you guys from A's land. I'm going to take a quick break. And then from uh, here on out, it's going to be Matt George and I talking about the A's ballpark situation and uh, trying not to cry too much into our microphone. So stay locked in with Locked on A's, and I'll be right back. 
Decades of data show that investors that trade in individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone, so you should team up with Wealthfront instead. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio, and there's no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. And Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash MLB. All you need is $500 to get started so you can grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. So to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash MLB. That is W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfriend.com slash locked on MLB and get started today. Today's episode is also brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is Built Bar, my friends. They have all of their nine amazing flavors that are, you know, always there, like coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, and others. But if you want to jump on the birthday cake, which I've been mentioning for the last couple of weeks, there is only one day left to get some birthday cake in your life. It's white chocolate. It's covered in white chocolate. It has sprinkles, and it is just jam-packed with protein. It is absolutely delicious. A little bit sweet, but absolutely delicious. And there is something for everyone on their website. So all you got to do to get your hands on some of these delicious protein-packed treats is go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, I am joined by Matt George of Locked On Kings. He is also a huge A's fan. You may remember him from the show uh, before the Kings season started. So longtime listeners already know Matt George. Locked On Kings listeners, welcome. Uh, Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, my friend. I'm happy that the uh, Sacramento Kings season is over. NBA playoffs are, of course, going on right now. But one of our jokes, or at least one of my jokes, is being a, a Kings fan and an A's fan is I always look forward to A season a little bit earlier because usually it's in the dog days of Kings season when uh, things are, are looking pretty bleak. So, And with the A's being good recently and good over the last few years, I've always looked forward to A's baseball. But right now, man, with everything that's been going on, and I know we're going to get into it, things are... I wish we could just talk about the baseball team. Let's put it that way. It would be so nice to just talk about the baseball team. That's all I want to do because they're intriguing right now, but everything surrounding the team in general, just, you know, uh, with the ownership and specifically Dave Cavill, um, just not a lot of fun to talk about at all. Um, But I I like talking about numbers and they're not letting me do that right now. So, um, so before we get into Dave Cavill, I just want to see where are you in relation to your breaking point with the A's right now? Um, are you close to just giving up and uh, throwing everything in the air or is there still a ways to go with you? Um, with the baseball team specifically, I'm still very much on board. Mm-hmm. I have high hopes and high beliefs in this team. I support a lot of these players. I know a lot of these players support the city of Oakland, uh, even though, unfortunately, the fan support just is what it is and has been for a while, which I'm sure we'll get into later as to the reasoning for that. Um, so I'm very much invested in the on-field product, and I, and I, I don't know if I ever won't uh, be. But 
This is now my third relocation that I have gone through with one of my favorite teams in the last decade, the Sacramento Kings, which thankfully the team stayed here in Sacramento, the Raiders who are now in Las Vegas and the A's who might be following the Raiders to Las Vegas or, or some other market. And the, the consistent that I've found throughout all these relocations is that there is one thing that's most important here. And it's all money. Money is the only thing that matters. And as much as ownership or team presidents or anybody wants to uh, pretend that the city is super important and that they care about the fan base and they want to do right by the fan base, it's all hogwash if the money is not there. And and that's what we're seeing now uh, with the Oakland A's, who maybe naively I was hoping would be different, especially when the uh, Oakland Raiders left. Uh, but now their whole rooted in Oakland campaign, all the improvements that they did to the Coliseum. Look, we all knew it was going to be temporary, but it looks extremely hypocritical, extremely hypocritical at this point in time. Uh, and I'm, I'm disappointed by it because on one hand, I understand the city could be doing much more. The city of Oakland could lose all three of their pro franchises within the course of five years, which is insane to even think about, which is a bad look on them, of course. But at the same time, if the city is not willing to be strong-armed by organizations who are all about money first and foremost and don't really care about anything else, I don't blame them for standing their ground. So I understand both sides here, but I think the A's and A's ownership and management continues to look very, very bad. Especially after the Cavill tweet. Um, I I do want to know, what could John Fisher potentially be Getting all, he, he, he wants to make this move because of money, like you said. And w- what is he going to spend all of that extra money on? I, I don't know how much more he needs and why he would do this and just be just a mean person. I don't understand. That's what angers me, I think, is I'm like, you don't need any more. You're going to get money when you sell the team, no matter where you build. It does not matter. And uh, he can't get a waterfront ballpark in you know Las Vegas or Portland or anywhere else. Oakland is that place. And I think that that real estate would be nice for him. He might not make enough on the front. He's always worried about uh, the overall, like the initial money that he's going to get. And he doesn't think long-term, like if he put another $20 million a year into this team, people would come to the ballpark. He would be making more money, but he doesn't want to make that initial investment. And I think that he's just a very short, short sighted billionaire, which is very strange to think about, but um, yeah. No, at the same time, too, though, I think that's something that's pretty consistent with a lot of ownership and management. I'm not just talking professional sports. I know this is a pro sports um, podcast, and we're talking about a team here that could be relocating. But this is something that myself, my wife, my friends, we've experienced a lot in our line of work. I think we're in a transition of generations here where one generation, the next generation is eager to take over and to start and to build and to uh, create momentum. And the other is just trying to what I call tread water. And that's what I get. That's the feeling that I get with this A's organization. That's the feeling I get with Fisher. That's the feeling that I just get with a lot of management, senior management in today's day and age is they're just comfortable treading water, sticking with the status quo, as long as they're not in the red, even if the green is not as much as it could be, uh, they're they're happy to, to get through their days, con- collect that revenue share in the case of the Oakland A's, which I think it's interesting that now that that revenue share is taking a dip or is going away, now all of a sudden the sense of urgency is there for the Oakland A's. 
hmm, weird coincidence. <laughs> I don't think so. so it, it's, I, I just think it's telling of the times. And look, I, I make maybe a, a one percentage point of what Fisher makes. And, and I can't even begin to understand that world of, of having that much money. I have no idea what I would do if, with it if I had that much, but they have to be pretty smart, I'm guessing, to be able to acquire that, or they just flat out inherited. I don't know the situation. All I can say is that the Oakland A's have consistently dropped the ball off the field when it comes to financial decisions and putting themselves in these situations to where they can blame the fans or make it look like a fan issue when Matt Chapman steps in front of a camera or a microphone and begs fans to show up and they, it makes it to the rest of the world look like, wow, the city of Oakland just doesn't care about the A's. No, the city of Oakland and Oakland A's fans are tired of continuously showing up to a ballpark, not knowing if their favorite player is going to be there next year or how long that player is going to be there. Oakland A's fans are tired of walking to it through a team store and looking at really cool jerseys of their favorite players and saying, no, I'm not going to do it because I know that that jersey is going to be on a sale rack for 20 bucks in two seasons when that player is ultimately traded or, or they are, they walk in free agency. That is the reality of the situation. The on-field product, even though it's been good and they've had chances to make deep runs, they have not invested in their talent. They have not given fans a reason to stick around in my opinion, even though I have stuck around through my entire life of being an Oakland A's fan. I've watched generation after generation of, of talent come through, come and go and leave and get, uh, and have success elsewhere. And fans are quite frankly tired of it. So let's talk about this Dave Cavill tweet. Um, he basically tweeted from the, the Vegas Golden Knights game. Wow, Stanley Cup playoffs at Golden Knights. It was a really stupid tweet, but it's a very Dave Cavill tweet. He you know, did his scanning of the entire uh, Golden Knights arena from the second deck. It looked like the nosebleed seats. I don't know why he couldn't get better seats. That was very strange to me. He was not in a suite. Um, yeah, so... Seeing that, what were you thinking? And you know, what was your initial reaction to seeing Dave Cavill tweet that during an A's game on his venture in Vegas? Yeah, I just I think it's 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 a very passive aggressive middle finger to to the fans that still care and the fans that are still invested, as if it is their fault. Like it, I, I attributed it to uh, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Like it was the Oakland A's management and organization, they turned heel against their own fans. And I think it's ironic that if you go on to Cavill's Twitter account, this tweet is the, the his most recent tweet, which is the, the tweet of the uh, him at the Knights game, is underneath a pinned tweet, which is the message to the A's fans talking about how we're committed to you and this is the reason why what's going on, but we we still want to be here and we still want you to support the team and the team is still here for it. Just it's it's very petty. It's very I think shallow. It's beneath him, and I know a hundred percent. Like I've had I think three or four conversations uh, with Dave Cavill in my professional career. And every single conversation, I was very impressed by uh, his professionalism. One of the things I loved about Cavill, at least when he first started, is he would have open office hours for fans where he would allow fans to either come in or call him and ask for for suggestions. And he would try and implement those suggestions. And that's something he's carried out even into this season on Twitter. If a fan has a tough experience at the Coliseum, they will tweet him and he'll actually respond and, and positive change happens. I've always appreciated that. I thought the treehouse, uh, the addition to the treehouse 
uh, in, in left field at the Coliseum was brilliant. Things like that made me think that Cavill cared. But then I saw something like this, which to me was just either extremely tone deaf or what I think is more likely is Cavill knew exactly what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're trying to send a message to the city of Oakland, that's fine. But in, in, in trying to send that message, you took a bus and you ran over the few remaining fans that you had left, I felt. And I, I just thought it was very... I thought it was very petty. It was very unprofessional. And maybe I and a lot of fans are reading too much emotion into it, which is very, very possible. But it just seemed uncalled for. Very uncalled for, very tone deaf, um, and just not a smart move. Because I can't imagine how that endeared you to any fans in Vegas or any fans in Portland or wherever the hell that the A's might want to go or end up. How does that look good? Hey, the, the president of the team that you might acquire just showed that he doesn't give a damn about the fan base of the team that he's in. He's going to go to the next shiny thing that has fans in the build. Like it just, it doesn't look good on all sides. It doesn't look good. It doesn't make any sense. And the only intent that I can get from this is he's trying to piss off the fans so that the fans stop coming to games. And then they're like, see, it's not viable here. That's the only thing that I can think of. And I don't know why you would do that now because there are still two and a half years left on this lease in the Coliseum. So they're going to be there for a couple more years. This is a when I'm leaving kind of a tweet. This is not a we got some work to do. We don't actually know where we're going to be playing yet kind of a thing. I mean, maybe they do know and they just haven't announced anything yet. Um, it looks like they're waiting on this July vote. Hey, it's me again. I got more with the man himself, Matt George of Locked On Kings coming up for you in just a minute. But I do want to tell you guys about Bet Online because they are the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news odds and info on all of your sporting needs including baseball basketball hockey which i am falling in love with right now hockey has been so so much fun go wild this is going to be a part-time minnesota wild podcast at least until they're done with the vegas golden knights and uh, you can also get all your ufc or mma action on bet online as well so before the next pitch head on over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams keep going with their runs in the playoffs. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. And that is why everybody says that Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. And now back to my talk with Matt George of Locked On Kings. The Raiders did this kind of stuff, but they did it after shovels were on the ground and yeah. everybody knew they were going to Vegas. C Cavill is doing it, like you said, with multiple years of the lease left in Oakland and the A's are the Oakland A's. There's no guarantee that they're going anywhere else. It, that, that's just that's why it says it feels so tone deaf. It feels so stupid. And it's, it's a slap in the face to a lot of fans who do still care, who want to care. And look, we know that the Coliseum has been empty for a long time, but it's not just a Coliseum thing. Baseball, we all know baseball, um, not well, ratings are one thing, but attendance at baseball stadiums, with the exception of, of the, the great ones in the major markets, it's been declining. 
and it's been for a long time. So it's not, I, I always get frustrated when I see people post a picture of the Oakland Coliseum empty and going, see, it's, it's just Oakland. Meanwhile, I'll watch a Saturday night game in Philadelphia with the Phillies with Bryce Harper on the team. And the Phillies have massive open sections as well. Like it just, it's not an Oakland thing, but I understand the Oakland perspective being here. And I understand there've been a lot of empty seats for a while. And look, I love the Coliseum. The Coliseum's a dump, but it's my dump. I absolutely love that stadium. I will forever love that stadium. And I don't care uh, because when I'm in a seat at the Coliseum, baseball is all I care about. So there are obvious reasons for why fans might not want to show up. But like I said before, the number one thing is what the organization has done, or rather what they have not done, which is maintain talent and really invest long-term in in the team going forward. And I think a, a great example is on the other end of the bay is the polar opposite. The fact that the San Francisco Giants built that three titles in six years team. And what did they do? They committed to Buster Posey to where Posey's probably going to spend his entire career in a Giants uniform. Uh, They committed to at least Mad Bum long-term. Now, of course, he's in Arizona, but Mad Bum is always going to be known, forever known as a Giant. Uh, Same thing with guys like Belt, Crawford, Pablo Sandoval to some extent. Like that organization, granted there's more money and they're in a nicer ballpark and they've all the excuses you want, that organization has committed to talent long-term and that's what made them as popular as they are. In Oakland, it's like I'm, I'm seriously counting down the days until the replica Matt Chapman jersey that I was given, not bought, I was given, is outdated. And that's, that's just the way it feels. So how much stock are you putting in this vote in July that it seemingly is going to happen uh, by the city council? Uh, is it basically make or break with that council votes or h- how are you reading into that one? I don't really know because to be completely honest with you, I haven't followed super closely the, the council meetings and, and, and the specifics of that. So I, I don't want to read too much into something that I haven't participated in or, or been completely involved in or, or at least read up on. But I will say that if the city decides to stand their ground and the city decides not to be pushed around by what I really think is a bully tactic from the Oakland A's and the MLB as a whole. I think a city is being bullied by a multi-million, billion-dollar corporation, which is bad. If the city decides to stand their ground, and even if it means my A's leaving, I'm not going to be mad at the city for it. Because I think the A's, in a lot of ways, have shown their true colors here during this process and shown that money in the bottom line is all that matters. And that's something that they've shown consistently while here in Oakland. So why shouldn't we expect it to be the same on the way out? I tweeted out last night too. I would almost just rather the Oakland A's come out and say, or rather the A's organization just say they want to move on from Oakland. Mm -hmm. Of course I want them to stay here, but I think these games are, are petty and, and foolish and stupid. And if the city decides not to bend over for them, I respect the city for that. Truthfully. I would love definitely. I would love to see the A's stay. I would love to be able to take my son to A's games going forward, but I don't expect a city to bend over to the whims of the MLB or to ownership that refuses to invest in their own product. So with that, how long or how do the A's stay in Oakland? They've got this vote, but I, I don't know after that Dave Cavill tweet, how what the route is for shovels in the ground at Howard terminal. I I don't see a path right now. 
I don't know if I do either, but there was also a time here in Sacramento where we didn't see a path to the, the Kings sticking around and yet it got done. I don't know if it's new ownership, which may never happen. I don't, I don't know what the path is. I do know that it is the Howard terminal or bust at this point. It feels like it, if the Howard terminal falls through or just doesn't work out, the team's gone. Um, I mean, I know that I guess the Coliseum site, even though in theory it could work, I understand why they don't necessarily want to do it there. And, and I get it. Um, so, I mean, it's really Howard terminal or bust. And if it's going to work out, both sides are going to have to work together and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, and again, I'm not super well-versed on what's been happening in city council meetings. So I could be way off base here, but I feel like the city has been more willing to work with the organization than the organization has been willing to work with the city, at least from my perspective. Again, could be wrong there, but I think it's going to take teamwork and both sides have to play ball. And I think it's pretty clear which side is not willing to at this point in time, or they're trying to force Oakland to play ball and they're using the wrong tactic. Very wrong. Their tactics are just ridiculous right now. They're just lying in, you know, all of their press conferences about what they've actually proposed to Oakland and all that. It's ridiculous at this point. But the city council members also have their own special interest people from Howard terminal that have things that they want to get done. So there's a lot of, iffy stuff on both sides, but the A's are definitely uh, not acting in good faith right now. It would appear, especially with, uh, you know, Dave Cavill's tweet and all that stuff. Um, so if the A's decide to leave, is there any chance that they do not trade Matt Chapman, Ramon Laureano, Matt Olson, uh, literally everybody of any value? Is there any way that they don't tear this down? If this vote does not go through in July, and it looks like the A's are gone. Is there any way that they don't tear everything to the studs in the next two years or in this off season? Probably the reasoning doesn't even matter. The reasoning, it, it doesn't matter because the reality is it's what I expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and that's has nothing to do with this relocation saga that has to do with the pattern that the Oakland A's have created for themselves. They have forced their fan base into believing that their windows of opportunity last maximum three to four years because once a contract comes up, it's on to the next prospect who's coming up through the system. I have no faith that Matt Chapman is going to be around long-term. I have no faith that Matt Olson is going to be around long-term. Look, Marcus Simeon was an MVP candidate last season, and the A's let him walk after offering him that BS contract mm-hmm. that they like I have no, re- there is no indication that the Oakland A's organization has given me at all to believe that any of these players are going to be allowed around long-term, even if the team was still here in Oakland. And that's the argument that I've made for a long time before all this relocation stuff came to light, even with the prospect of building a new stadium in Oakland, which I think would be incredible. It would be great for the city. I've experienced it here in Sacramento, what the Golden One Center has done for downtown Sacramento, which used to be a ghost town. Now it has life and it's been great for the city. So I understand that element to it. But at the same time, I've always argued this shiny new building opens up. Okay, people are excited to go and they show up for the first year and they buy more expensive tickets than what the Coliseum is now to support this team and to experience this new ballpark. It's gorgeous. It's great. It's awesome. If the organization continues to not invest in talent, even though they claim that oh, well, the the revenue from the new stadium would give us more revenue to invest in talent. If they continue to do what they've done pretty much their entire time in Oakland, or at least since I've been alive, fans aren't going to pay the extra money for extra tickets to sit in a shiny new ballpark to watch a player who's probably not going to be around in two, three years. It's the same cycle over and over and over again. 
with this organization. So uh, a very long roundabout way of, uh, way of answering your question. Loriano, Chapman, Olson, I don't expect any of these guys to be Oakland A's long-term because why, what indication has the organization given me that that's going to be a thing? I'm trying to enjoy them right now. And hopefully the A's can get some kind of ring or playoff push or deep playoff run out of it before those players end up in New York or Boston or Toronto or wherever uh, the long list of talented Oakland A's prospects have ended up and been successful. So uh, you alluded to this a little bit earlier. This is the last thing that I got for you. Um, are you still going to be an A's fan if they do leave? I know that you're a little bit removed from going to games consistently because you're up in Sacramento. It's a little bit uh further of a trek so it's usually a tv thing i would assume anyway so the relationship wouldn't necessarily change but you can't really go to games if they're in vegas as easily or you know in portland or anywhere else so it would be a different experience where would you get your baseball fix if not in oakland and would you still be rooting for the a's if they change their their colors to green and gold and they went like red white and blue or something oh i think it would affect my relationship big time because yes, I do live in Sacramento, but my wife and I, my family, myself, I have made an effort every single year since I've been an adult and able to go to games by myself and drive to Oakland by myself. I've made an effort to make it to anywhere between six to 10, sometimes 15 games a season, uh, whether it was, and I've, I've spent many a weeknight driving my wife and I to Oakland for a seven Oh five first pitch getting home at 1150 to midnight and turning around and getting up the next morning at 6am to go to work. I've done that many times. And I love doing that because I love the Coliseum. I love the A's and my wife and I both love baseball. So my relationship with the organization would drastically change if they were to leave. That being said, I wanted so bad when the Raiders left to give the 49ers a chance and to try and change my loyalties and go to Levi stadium and, watch the Niners and I couldn't do it as much as I'm still mad at the Raiders and not, look I'm I'm not a happy fan when it comes to the Oakland Raiders their decision making Gruden ownership whatever I do look forward to going to Vegas at some point and watching a Raiders game and seeing that shiny new stadium because of course it's going to be better than the freaking Coliseum is and I want to experience it but at the same time I could not I couldn't leave so if the A's go to Portland the A's go to Vegas I'm always going to be an Oakland A's fan. I'm always going to support the A's. They're always going to be my team. But I am a fan first and foremost of being at the event. That's why I fell in love with the A's is going to them as a kid. That's why I fell in love with the Kings is the crowd atmosphere in the early 2000s. It's where I fell in love with the Raiders because of the uh, tailgate environment, things like that. This past Raiders season was the most disconnected I've been from the team in a long time because I couldn't experience any of that. I couldn't go. Same thing with the Oakland A's in a way. And I still haven't been this season, even though I want to go. I really wanted to go. I was probably going to buy tickets for a game in the next couple of weeks. Right now, I don't feel like it after what Cavill did. Yeah. So a long way of answering your question, I will always be an A's fan. I will always support the team. But the A's leaving would definitely fracture the relationship. Definitely. And I think there are a lot of A's fans that would feel the same way. Forever going to be loyal and love this team. But the green collar Oakland drums and Vuvuzelas and environment in right field and um, that environment would change if this team goes to a big city and tries to do that big city environment. The A's would cease to become the A's in a lot of ways. 
one thing that I love about the Coliseum is when you go, you're going to watch the game. There's an atmosphere about the game. Whereas, you know, mo mo most of my other experiences have been in uh, Angel Stadium and uh, in the, the Giants ballpark at Oracle. And there it's more like an event where there's a lot of other things to do, but there's also a baseball game that you can look at. And it just feels different than going to an A's game. So if you take out the Oakland part of the Oakland, you know, of the Oakland A's, I, I think that it's just a regular baseball team at that point, if you're at, if you're going for the experience. And I think that that could be a huge factor in, uh, you know, how much you enjoy the team. And that's a great point too, because right now, of course, many could argue very few people or no one cares about the A's. I've seen that so many times on social media and based off of the attendance numbers, it's hard to argue that it truly is. I know I care. I know the loyal fans who continue to show up in right field and will get out there on a weeknight care. But at the same time too, if the A's leave, they drop that Oakland mantra, they go to Vegas. The only time they're going to matter and be relevant is if they are winning. And in order to win like that, they have to invest. And again, I have questions on whether or not this organization will invest in themselves. So it, 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 it absolutely changes the identity of the team. Absolutely. Got to agree with you on that one. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for joining me. Anything else you want to uh, say about the topic before I let you go? No, I, I just, I feel for A's fans because I am one first and foremost. And every time I get the opportunity to speak on the radio or, or express um, myself as an A's fan over just a journalist who might cover the team, I immediately take that route because I think it's very important because the A's fans are easily the best part of the organization. It's not even close. And I'm, I'm okay um, patting myself on the back there for the stuff that I've continued to support this team through and that fans have continued to support this team through. Um, I, I feel for fans who, who want to keep the team around. I understand fans who are also frustrated with the city and in many ways I am as well. I really just hope I get the opportunity, whether it's at the Coliseum or Howard terminal or whatever, my son is being born in the end of, uh, in late August. I hope, I hope, I hope I get the opportunity to raise him as an A's fan and bring him to the ballpark when he's old enough to understand what's going on. Um, if I don't, It'll suck. I'll maybe be able to take him to a Giants game when the A's come into town. Who knows? But it, it won't be the same. The A's are a big part of my identity, a big part of my life, something I was looking forward to sharing with my kid and kids, hopefully. So losing the team and losing that environment not only would be detrimental to the city of Oakland, but be very detri detrimental and damaging to a lot of Bay Area fans, a lot of Sacramento fans, um, a lot of people in Northern California who appreciate A's baseball for two reasons. One, for their kind of green color, different, always been different and always been unique. And number two is the A's to me have always been accessible. I've loved the fact that I can sit five, 10 rows off the field for 60 bucks one game and 20 the next, depending upon who the opponent was and, and what time of day or if it was a weekday or a weekend game. Um, if the Oakland A's, whether they do it in a new ballpark or a new city if they're going to charge their fans 150 200 bucks to sit in those exact same seats i think you're changing the environment and changing your fan base really i think you're and we saw it too in a lot of ways now i'm just rambling but we saw it too in a lot of ways with when the fans asked uh cavill and the a's to get rid of the tarps in the third level the upper deck of the coliseum right and who were the first people to buy those seats when they became available families 
that to me is what's important, especially with the with baseball trending down and needing to get the next generation more interested in the game. I hope I have that opportunity to do it with the Oakland A's, the Oakland A's, and not the Vegas A's when they come to town maybe once or twice a year. So uh, before I you know let you plug your social media, so when is uh, the the sequel or the companion piece to Double Down coming out? When's your next single dropping? Uh, hopefully never. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm 0 for 2 in my music career, and you know what? I'm okay with that. But um, with the Sacramento Kings, their offseason is going to be very, very interesting. And there are a lot of similarities uh, between the Kings and the A's, although the A's have been a million times more successful uh, than the Kings have been in in recent history. So if there are any uh, Sacramento Kings fans or also Oakland A's fans out there, and I know there are plenty, uh, the Locked On Kings podcast is your place to follow the team. Join me there. Uh, we try and have a, as fun of an environment as Jason has here on Locked On A's. And I can provide perspective for a team that has gone through a bleak relocation saga and won. And I'm hoping the A's will uh, will beat out as well for the city of Oakland. But the maybe, ownership. Maybe you can be two for two in that realm organization has to play ball man just doesn't feel like they're going to right now does not feel like that at all uh thank you so much uh where can they find you on social media and watch your amazing locked on now videos after uh, after king's games at matt george radio on twitter um and then the rest of my social media i'm so weak i need to get on instagram or be better on instagram because i guess i'm i think i'm at matt george radio on instagram as well or something like that but twitter is the best place to reach me so uh, i'd love to chat with ace fans there Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining me. A big thank you to Matt George for taking time out of his day to talk to me about the Oakland A's stadium situation and all that stuff. It's just fun to talk to somebody else who uh, is also frustrated with the team right now. But uh, yeah, that's it for me today. Tomorrow, uh, I'm going to the game with my wife. That should be lots and lots of fun. Hopefully, as I'm recording, I am not burnt to a crisp because I burn easily. Gotta find that sunscreen. So that's what I'm about to go do right now in preparation for Wednesday's day game. Go James Caprillion. I'll be cheering along with your dad in the stands. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Oakland, and I will talk at you tomorrow. Tomorrow.